Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Chiefs Wire podcast. I'm Ed Easton Jr. On today's episode, Texans Wire Managing Editor Mark Lane breaks down the Houston Texans ahead of Thursday's matchup. Also on our Chiefs Wire roundtable, Mitch Carney and Talon Graff share their thoughts on the opening night game at Arrowhead Stadium. But first, as always, we start off with Chiefs Wire Managing Editor Charles Goldman. Okay, Charles, what are your thoughts on the players that didn't make the Chiefs' final 53-man roster? The only one that was really a big surprise, in my opinion at least, was Breland Speaks, former uh, number 46 overall draft pick from 2018. I mean, you obviously don't want to give up on a former top 50 draft pick three years after making the selection, but you have to respect Brett Veach for not hanging on to a guy like that in favor of keeping the best players for this football team. So many GMs will just keep a guy because of their draft status and hang on to him for too long before declaring them, you know, a a, a bust or someone that they don't want on their team. And and Veach wasn't willing to do that. So, and, and also, I mean, I think it says a lot that Speaks hasn't received a tryout or anything around the league. I mean, it tells you that maybe there's something more to it, be it whatever happened with the suspension last year, or maybe he's still working back from that knee injury that cost him the 2019 season. Whatever it is, there there's more than meets the eye. And uh, as for the other players released, uh, nothing really surprised me there. I mean, obviously, I wanted Jody Fortson to, to make it wanted a couple of other guys to make it, but ultimately they all ended up on the practice squad. Most of the players released ended up back on the practice squad. They're still with the team in some capacity, and I think they'll continue to develop. I think the guys will want to stick around on the practice squad in Kansas City because they saw players who were there in 2019. They ended up getting a Super Bowl ring too. So, you know, everyone's fully bought in into the idea of running it back and you know, so some of the guys that, that didn't end up on the 53, they know that they might have an opportunity to, to play and to contribute in, in 2020, even if they're on the practice squad. Do you believe there's a genuine rivalry between Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson? Yeah, I mean, these two players, they're always going to be compared to each other since they came out of the same 2017 draft class. They were taken in the first round and in, in the top 15 picks there. They play in the same conference, et cetera, so on and so forth. Do I think a a rivalry will reach the heights of, say, the Tom Brady-Peyton Manning rivalry from back in the day? Probably not, and here's why. Brady and Manning met a ton of times uh, because of the same-place finisher formula, but there's such parity in the AFC West and the AFC South that 
Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson might miss each other certain seasons. I mean, a good example would be looking back at the 2018 season where the Texans and Chiefs never played each other, even in the postseason. So you can't really have a true rivalry in the sense without guys who are playing each other regularly. And, you know, these two quarterbacks, they're always going to be connected, but I'm not sure they're going to have a chance to develop a, a rivalry in the traditional sense. How much playing time during Thursday's game should we expect to see Clyde Edwards-Hilaire? I wouldn't be surprised if Edwards-Hilaire sees 20 or more touches during his debut against the Houston Texans. You look back at Kareem Hunt's debut in 2017, and he had 22 touches. And they trust this kid a lot. They're going to put his full skill set on display early on in his career. I mean, Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy have both spoken about it and how they believe he's ready for the spotlight from his time at LSU. I mean, he he's ready to go, and they're confident in his abilities. Now, the Texans haven't seen Edwards Hilaire in an NFL game before. Sure, they, they interviewed him at the NFL scouting combine, did some research on him, watched him at LSU, but they're going to be focused on guys like Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, guys that they've seen before. And that defense is going to work to take those guys away. So it's going to be up to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire to kind of keep that Houston defense honest, to say, hey, don't forget about me. I'm a weapon too, and you're going to have to work to take me away as well. So I think we're going to see a healthy dose of Edwards-Hilaire in this first game. I think he's going to make his presence known and make his presence felt early on against this Texans defense. How loud do you expect Arrowhead Stadium to be with limited capacity? The team is set to play in front of a crowd of nearly 17,000 Chiefs fans. Uh, And they have waited a lifetime to see their team raise the championship banner that they're going to be raising on Thursday night. They're probably going to be louder than half the crowds in the NFL are at full capacity. And I don't think there's much more to it than that. I mean, these these guys have been waiting for a very long time, and, and they love Chiefs football. If they're out there in the middle of a pandemic, these are the most diehard fans of the Chiefs kingdom. So I expect them to be loud, proud, and raucous as ever. And as always, are there any particular stories from Chiefs Wire you would like to highlight from the past week? Yeah, we have a ton of content previewing the uh, Chiefs-Texans Week 1 matchup from daily injury reports to just a ton of news coming out of the Texans and Chiefs press conferences each day. Um, For instance, we have a story up on uh, Bill O'Brien talking about the role that uh, former Chiefs safety Eric Murray is set to play for the Texans. He's actually going to be a starter in their defense this year. Uh, So that's interesting to to look at a former Chiefs draft pick kind of from that perspective. Today, we've got debuts of our Behind Enemy Lines series happening. You'll hear from him later on in this episode, but uh, I interviewed Texans Wire editor Mark Lane to get the scoop on their team ahead of of week one. We'll have our our weekly scouting report from Talon Graff. That's going to debut. Our predictions from the entire staff here at Chiefs Wire are going to be up. So, I mean, it's really great to just get back into the swing of things for the season. And gosh, we appreciate you guys so much for, for tuning in and reading the website. Go Chiefs! For more information on this story and others, head over to ChiefsWire.com and we'll give you all the details you need on the Kansas City Chiefs. Coming up next, the Chiefs Wire Podcast Roundtable.
Chiefs Wire podcast. We are back, and it's that time again. It is time for the Chiefs Wire roundtable. I got Mitch Carney. I got Talon Graf. Guys, it's officially game week. We now have a live NFL game to talk about. It's been so many months. It's been so many lists and, you know, all-time great this and all these different opinion pieces that we've done on the show. Now we can get right into a game. I'm excited. This is a great time. Let me just get you, just gauge where you guys are with everything. Mitch, how are you feeling right now? Oh, I'm feeling good. I'm ready to go. Um, you know, with no preseason, I kind of didn't feel like the season was here yet. Um, but, you know, just, you know, with it just being two days away or two days from whenever we're recording this, uh, I'm ready to go. I'm excited. Um, it feels like football season's finally here, and I'm kind of getting pumped up now. I'm ready to see some football. Yeah, man, for sure. It seems fitting that the – Last season ended with the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. And, and now, you know, without preseason, as Mitch said, now we get to kick off the next NFL season with the Chiefs hosting a premier, you know, uh, primetime game on Thursday night. It's, it's pretty great. And, you know, seeing these few college games that have been playing, yeah, I'm definitely – I'm geared up for the NFL. Definitely. It's uh, – like I said, it's just – it's been such a long wait. So much uncertainty into the season, whether or not we're going to have a season altogether, where we're going to have fans – we are going to have fans in the stands. May not be full capacity at Arrowhead Stadium, but it will be pretty loud. I'm, I'm hoping it's going to be pretty loud in there. Chiefs Kingdom never lets lets the uh, team down. I expect it to be uh, a pretty wild atmosphere. What do you guys think? Oh, I would expect so. I mean, just the everything we've already mentioned. Just the waiting and the the fact that you know the Chiefs are coming off of a Super Bowl win. It's it's whoever is there, they're they're going to be very very loud and as loud as they can be. Yeah, it's going to be interesting with limited fans there, but I feel like uh, they'll still make somewhat of an impact. And I think, you know, just, you know, they may not be the loudest, you know, that Arrowhead's been a long time, but I still think, you know, just them being there and seeing the, the, the banner being raised and everything and just seeing the Chiefs, you know, for the first time in months, first like real sports besides uh, the NBA, um, it's going to be really interesting. It's going to be really fun. I'm really excited that, you know, the Chiefs are able to have some fans there. Definitely. And let's just jump right into it. The very first opponent on the Chiefs schedule we've all known for the last couple of months now, the Houston Texans. Obviously, the Texans were in the playoffs last year, knocked out by the Chiefs in that infamous divisional round where we had the amazing play by the amazing play from obviously both sides of the ball in the second half with the Chiefs, especially the end of the first half with Patrick Mahomes and the uh, what do is there a special name for the run yet? Have they has anybody coined a, a special name for it yet? I haven't heard one. I, I, I think you're on the spot, Ed. <laughs> well, I guess we'll make up one. I don't know. We're just going to call it the Mahomes uh, Marathon Run. It seemed like it took forever, but he eventually got to that. He eventually scored a touchdown. So we had that moment. This is a new Houston Texans team. They do not have DeAndre Hopkins, who just signed a huge deal with the uh, Arizona Cardinals after being traded there. I got to start off with you guys. When you see this team now on paper, not having DeAndre Hopkins, still having Deshaun Watson, having a new wide receiver core, are you impressed by anything you see there on offense? Mitch, I'm going to start with you first. Um, you know, I'm not really for sure what I see here on, on the offensive side. Of course, Deshaun Watson is one of – I believe he's one of the top quarterbacks in the league. Um, if it wasn't for Mahomes, he definitely would be, like, one of the up-and-coming – like, one of the best quarterbacks, you know, Coming out of the AFC right there with Lamar Jackson, uh, just a really good young quarterback. But trading DeAndre Hopkins was a little bit of a head-scratcher for me, especially since all they got was David Johnson out of that. 
They did replace Hopkins with Brandon Cooks, who I do think is a really good receiver. But I'm going to take DeAndre Hopkins every time. But, um, you know, I'll give Bill O'Brien a little bit of credit here. I, Even though everybody likes to make fun of Bill O'Brien a little bit, I do think he's a, 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 a good coach. I do think he's like, you know, uh, he, he knows what he's doing for the most part, I feel like. So there's got to be a reason why he got David Johnson. Um, maybe he thought, you know, with the Chiefs, you know, struggling to defend the run throughout all, throughout all last season, he really wanted to get a good running back. And maybe he plans to, plans to run over the Chiefs this Thursday with David Johnson. Um, David Johnson can also help out in the passing game. We've seen him catch passes by him and Deshaun Watson and also Brandon Cooks and Randall Cobb, Will Fuller. These are all players to keep an eye on for this Thursday. Um, I do think they are able to do some things offensively, mostly just because of how good Deshaun Watson is. But offensively, they don't really scare me, um, scare me against what we have on defense because I think we got playmakers all over the field, and I think we'll be able to contain them pretty well. Yeah, yeah, the, the Hopkins trade, I mean, it, on paper, it is definitely head-tilting. Um, they got a couple draft picks in it, but – yeah, the fact that I mean now that Deshaun Watson is signed to a to a you know extension and that's where the money went, you know I, I kind of got to not really say I understand it because Hopkins is is an elite receiver and you just don't find those very often. But when is you know when's the last time a Super Bowl winning team was like, well, we got here because of our wide receiver? You know, it's so I kind of understand you you, you want to pay Watson, you want to make sure he's he's locked up, you want to make sure you have you have a franchise quarterback, which really for Houston this is their first one. They've, they've kind of cycled through guys. They had, you know, they're at their, uh, you know, inauguration, they had David Carr. Um, so yeah, they, they, they wanted to lock in their first ever really franchise quarterback, which I get that. Um, and you know, they got a running back who doesn't have a lot of years under his belt. You know, um, he's, he's really struggled the past couple of years. He was just shy of a thousand yards a couple of years ago. Um, at one point he wasn't all pro, like he, he is like almost, I think he had like 16 touchdowns in, in a few years ago. So who knows what David Johnson has in the tank. And we've seen it before where a guy comes to a new, new location. All of a sudden he's, it's like, Oh, he's, he's still got it. So, and, and with the job that, that the front office did in kind of rebuilding an offensive line, primarily in the 2019 draft with, uh, uh, Max Sharping and Titus Howard who are both now staple starters uh, along the offensive line at guard and tackle uh, respectively. I'm with Laramie Tunsil in that trade and they have a solid center in, in Nick Martin and then a former chief Zach Bolton. It's, it's pretty remarkable what they were able to do in rebuilding an offensive line so quickly. Cause at one point that offensive line was like, they're never going to win and Deshaun Watson will never be able to, you know, stay healthy behind that offensive line. Well, now all of a sudden it's like, well, they already, they, they have a solid line from tackle to tackle. So I think with that new offensive line um, and, and the growth they have there with the new running back, I think they're looking to kind of, yeah, maybe grounded pan a little bit more, use play action to set up those speedsters to blow the top off the defense. Um, you know, DeAndre Hopkins was never really an elite speedster. He was always a, a possession guy, a, a 10 to 15 yard guy. Um, but now you got Will Fuller, Randall Cobb's a speedster, Brandon Cooks is a speedster. Um, and then you got Kenny Stills to kind of step into that first down role. So I think that was the plan. And if you look at their, how their off season gone in the past couple of years, it kind of makes sense. But yeah, the way their offense is going to look in 2020, I think is going to be quite a bit different than what uh, people are used to. I definitely agree with that. I just feel like um, when they were trying to put this team together, they went more for quantity over quality in a sense with the wide receiver core. Uh, the guys like you got a, a core of Brandon Cooks, Will Fuller, 
Kenny Stills, Randall Cobb. These are all very – they're all good receivers, you know. There isn't, really, there isn't really that elite receiver anymore where you know it's going to go to that guy. That's kind of like what DeAndre Hopkins is in the NFL. And you, you kind of take that away. You're putting a lot more pressure, I feel like, on Deshaun Watson to see if he can find different receivers. Can he mesh with each guy? Can he be that type of quarterback that can just find the open man no matter who it is? You know, there isn't just that automatic go-to guy anymore. And I, I think it's going to be pretty interesting to see how – He's going to balance that as well as having David Johnson if David Johnson stays healthy because that's pretty much been his biggest issue. Speaking of staying healthy, if we're going to talk about the Texas, you got to talk about J.J. Watt. His big issue has been staying on the field over the last couple seasons. Uh, he's still an elite pass rusher, but do you guys feel like he is much of a factor in this game or even in this season for that matter? Mitch, I'm going to go with you on that one. Yeah, I think he, he is definitely going to play a big factor, especially week one against the Chiefs. Um, you know, with not without any preseason games, our offensive linemen haven't had a lot of practice against other teams. I know we have Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz, who, you know, are definitely our tackles, and they're going to be good no matter what. But the interior is what I'm really worried about. We have um, Kalichi and Andrew Wiley at the guard positions, who – we haven't seen a whole lot. We haven't seen – we didn't see many – much of Wiley last season and, you know, Kalichi being a new player. Um, I'm afraid that J.J. Watt might be able to cause some problems against the Chiefs. Uh, you know, if, they, if they're able to get to Patrick Mahomes, that's definitely going to be a problem. We're not going to be able to do much offensively. But uh, I do think that, you know, we are able to – are going to be able to do enough to stop him along with uh, Whitney Marcellius. Marcellius, I think I'm saying that right. But either way, I think our interior offensive line may struggle a little bit, especially early, just because we didn't, they haven't had that reps against other teams, you know, because they missed the preseason. Uh, but, um, you know, J.J. Watt is definitely going to play a big factor into this game, and I can see him maybe getting a sack or two um, pretty early on. Yeah, and J.J. Watt, as long as he's on the field, he's, he's going to be an issue. Um, you know, every single year that he's played a full season, he's been an all pro. Uh, it just like, he, like you alluded to, it just, just hadn't happened a lot recently. Um, yeah. If he's there, you have to account for him. Um, and then that's going to open the stuff up for the, for those edge rushers that, you know, merciless and, and that the, the young kid, well, not really young, but kind of the, the guy that's kind of been groomed. And now it seems like he's finally getting his chance and, and Brennan Scarlett, he's improved every year and he's grown every year, earned more playing time every year. So this might be a little bit of a coming up out party for Scarlett. And, and then you got the rookie greener. I know he's on the injury report, but you know, the, you have, you have a rotation of these pass rushers um, and, and to go along with that interior of the, of the of the defense with Cunningham and McKinney, two very solid linebackers right there to, to snuff out the run. Um, yeah, the front seven is going to be be an issue. And then opposite of J.J. Watt, you have the guy from Texas uh, who was a rookie last year, Ominihu. Um, he's going to be an issue. He's a very long, athletic guy, and uh, I think our tackles are going to have an issue. Uh, and along with our guards, I think our offensive line is just going to be in for a busy day. Um, there's a lot of names to account for on that defense, and um, and they have some solid depth. And I just think it's we're going to have to have a really good game plan. Um, and <laughs> it's it's funny because we're mentioning all these defensive guys for for uh, for the Texans, but you know I, I think sometimes we do forget. It's like yeah, you know, the Chiefs have a a really good offense and an offense that really is is just almost impossible to stop. So unless you know, and with the new uh, defensive coordinator, Anthony Weaver, coming in, unless he has just a solid all-around game plan and his guys are, you know, play almost perfectly, the Chiefs are going to – they're going to put up 28. I mean, you can almost just, you know, guarantee that. 
Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think when you look at the the way the Texans are set up on defense, a lot of it goes into that defensive line and and the power they can have. It will it will really be up to the Chiefs' offensive line to kind of maintain a stance there and and make sure there's some protection for Mahomes. Make sure he has time to um get rid of the football because I feel like if you go the wide receiver core, including Kelsey, against the secondary of the Texans, that's a win every time for the Chiefs. So uh, it's just the way you, they have it set up. It should be an interesting matchup in regards to how the Texans are going to be able to hold up. Will there be a lot more blitzes? Will it not be? You know, I, I'm interested to see what type of formations they're willing to set up in that in that whole um, in in the first half. Most importantly, because like I said, like you were just you guys were just saying, there hasn't been a preseason. There's going to be some rust. Who's going to look? You know, the sharpest. It, it, that's really what's going to come down to when it comes to the first couple of weeks in the season for each team. So um, it should be uh, a, a pretty interesting battle. And another battle that everyone should be talking about is the coaching battle. And you mentioned earlier, Mitch, uh, about O'Brien, and you feel like he doesn't really get enough credit for some of the work that he does do. What is something about O'Brien that stands out to you? I mean, I know it's the AFC South, and it's pretty weak, but it's hard to win games in the NFL no matter what. Um, he's won the AFC South four out of the last five years. Um, so he's a, he's a talented coach. I don't agree with everything he does but he does have success in the NFL. So I don't think you should ever count anybody out. Um, I do think he, he has given Andrew Reid's fits before we saw um, early last season. I think it was the Chiefs' second loss of the season. I mean, it looked like the Chiefs didn't really have an answer for Bill O'Brien and the Texans. So it'll be interesting to see how well Bill O'Brien does against, against Andy Reid uh, to begin the season where, you know, Andy Reid always has a fantastic start. And then including their coaching staff, I just Andy Reid's got a, a much better staff. We have Eric Bieniemy, who sh- should be an NFL coach right now. Then we also have Steve Spagnuolo on the defensive side, who was a former NFL coach and is probably one of the best defensive coordinators in the league, in my opinion. So that that staff all together is just really well, really good compared to the Texans, who just ha- who have a brand new offensive coordinator, brand new offensive coordinator, and a brand new defensive coordinator. coordinator. They both were. Uh, Texan, so they've been a part of that team for a while, but um, if you look at hey. the Chiefs have, um, if you look at the resume that the Chiefs have with their coaches, it just beats the Texans by a, by a mile. Yeah, as Mitch was alluding to, it's just a very young staff for the Texans. you got a second-year coordinator on the offense. you got a first-year coordinator on the defense. They retained Romeo Cornell, um, who's obviously a very seasoned guy who's been around, you know, primarily he, he learned a lot from Bill Belichick. He spent time with the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, and, and now he's been with the Houston Texans for a while. So you have those veteran guys that they're just not at the forefront anymore. So it's kind of like they're passing off the buck and passing the baton uh, to, to the new era of coaches and the new wave of coaches. And this is a good first test, man, especially for the defense. Uh, you know, you're, you're uh, going to be tested early with the, with the defending Super Bowl champion. You got the best offense in the league. You know, what do you bring into the table? How, do, you have, do you have you guys ready? It's a it's it's going to be a a good battle, good test for them on the on the Texans side. We got the Chiefs. I mean, not losing any uh, coaches uh, on on their staff, and just the veteran leadership they have with Andy Reid is probably one of the best. Not named Bill Belichick. Yeah, I mean the the, the advantage is Kansas City Chiefs from top to bottom when it comes to the coaching staff. Yeah, I mean it's definitely a uh, it's kind of a sweep there. You know, obviously you're going to see a lot of sweeps in regards to uh, the Chiefs coaching staff compared to other coaching staffs just by, you know, the experience and, and things that they have brought to the table already. So 
that's not really a surprise to anyone. Um, but let's actually take a, a flip now to uh, the Chiefs side of the ball. And let's make some goals here for the offense. What do you feel like is the uh, offensive goals that the that uh, Andy Reid and company should really be aiming for when it comes to like maybe the first half or second half? What are something? What are the things on offense they really want to do? Talent, I'm come right back to you on this one. What is the immediate goals on offense for the Chiefs? Yeah, well, looking at the last time the Chiefs and the Texans played and really just how the Chiefs started every single playoff game, including the Super Bowl, you want to come out crisper, you want to come out cleaner uh, and, and, and fewer mistakes, and you don't want any three and outs to start the game. Uh, when you look at the way the Chiefs started the game against the Texans, a lot of mis- miscues or just a lot of mistakes, um, not all on offense, um, but you did have, you know, punting situations. You had a punt that got blocked, and then you had Tyra Kill Muffa punt. So the if I'm Andy Reid, I'm preaching – clean up the mistakes, play the way we're supposed to play, and there's no excuses. So, and, uh, and another thing is I want to spread the ball around a little bit more. When you look at the offensive production the last time they played, it was a Travis Kelsey show. Uh, you know, without Travis Kelsey, who knows how that game goes. You know, three touchdowns over 130 yards, 10 receptions, and the next uh, guy in, in the receptions list was Tyreek Hill with three. So you want to have your offense more um, balanced, especially in the passing game. You want to kind of spread the wealth around. You don't want one guy – uh, leading the stat sheet, unless this is just absolutely just his day. Uh, and then, you know, feed Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Get get his feet wet. Um, get him, you know, NFL ready. Let's kind of, you know, trial by fire because you got Daryl Williams sitting in the wings. You got um, some depth there to kind of ease Clyde Edwards in. And if Clyde is, is struggling early, then just go to Mahomes. You know, I mean, you're not going to feed Edwards Hilaire the entire first drive, but you do want to get him acclimated, get him up to speed. But yeah, just kind of spread it around and clean up the mistakes from last time. Yeah. Um, I, I agree with you. I, I agree with you with the, uh, wanting to get it like a fast start, you know, let's, uh, let's start doing things the way we're supposed to, you know, let's play clean football. Um, you know, I don't think if the, if the Chiefs allow the Texans to get another 24 league lead, I don't think we'll come back from that. I don't think the Texans are going to make the same mistakes that they did in the playoffs, and they're going to keep the Chiefs out of that game if there's any type of lead they get. So the Chiefs definitely need to come out and score fast. But I am expecting a little bit of rust in this offense just because there's been no preseason. You know, things were a little different in training camp. So I, mean, I am expecting a little bit of rust uh, to start the game, but I'm expecting them to, you know, maybe once that second quarter hits, be like, okay, get this engine rolling. Now let's play the fo- play football the way we need to play football and, you know, score and be one of the best offenses in the league because we know we're that good. Um, I disagree a little bit with you on the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire thing. I want them to give them the, give him the ball every chance they get. Um, of course, you know, you want to, you know, make sure Hill and Kelsey get theirs, but um, with this just being Clyde Edwards-Hilaire's first game and him not really having any experience at all, because like, like I said, there's no preseason games, and that's super important for a rookie. I want him to get acclimated really, really fast, get him going really early, kind of like what they did with Kareem Hunt back in 2017. If they get him the ball and get him confident, there's no telling what he can do this season. So I really hope that they get him involved early and often. No, I could definitely see that, especially with looking at the way they start games in regards to the offense. It, it does take a while, it, it appears, especially that game against the uh, Texans uh, divisional round game. Uh, the offense wasn't clicking immediately. You know, you wanted to make sure – that you're able to match the firepower that the Texans were throwing at them to start the game. Uh, it is important to jump ahead 
And um, as weird as it may sound, especially with how explosive Mahomes and all the different weapons are in offense, it is possible to have a, a bit of a lag coming off of no preseason. You're playing in a very unusual kind of situation. And we still don't know what an NFL game looks like in a COVID-19 era. So we don't know how much, like, difference – is it going to be a different pace? Is it, You know, we don't know these things yet. And you're heading into a brand-new season, national televised game. Uh, it's, there's bound to be plenty of turnovers in this game. I'm just putting it out there now on both sides of the ball. So that's something I guess they have to keep in mind, just maybe keeping the ball safe and uh, limit the turnovers at all costs because that, that's going to be a big deal for the uh, first couple of weeks for every team in the NFL. Now, we flip on to the other side of the ball with the defense. Obviously, the defense made great strides towards the end of last season. What do you feel like are the immediate goals in this game for the tech, for, I'm sorry, for the Chiefs defense? Mitch, I'm going to start off with you. So I, I believe the obvious thing is, you know, containing and, you know, putting pressure on Watson because he is, you know, the engine that makes their offense run. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that, you know, don't allow David Johnson to take over. We saw time and time again last year where we saw running backs just take over uh, against the Chiefs defense and rush for over 150 yards and multiple touchdowns. So um, there's a reason that Bill O'Brien traded for David Johnson, I believe. So if he comes out and, you know, and rushes for 150-plus yards and has two or three touchdowns, you know, and is able to contribute in the passing game, the Chiefs could be in trouble very fast. Um, so I want to make sure that we don't allow him to take over. Just kind of make sure that, you know, our run game is up to where it needs to be and maybe put a – you know, make sure he doesn't contribute in the passing game very much. Um, you know, kind of let Deshaun Watson – well, don't let Deshaun Watson because if, Deshaun, if you let Deshaun Watson do what he wants, he's going to win this game. But, uh, you know, David Johnson's got to be a key player that we make sure doesn't take over this game. Yeah, yeah, that's a very solid point. The Chiefs definitely have struggled in the run again the past year or two. Um, so, yeah, you definitely want to look out when you got a name like David Johnson in the backfield and the, and the rebuild offensive line. Um, and, and I agree with you there. I think that should be the number one priority. But, you know, especially with – and we spoke about it with – without DeAndre Hopkins – Houston has to find a new number one. And Brandon Cooks has, has been dealing with a quad injury, um, so it's not even guaranteed that he's going to be out there. So you're looking at, you know, Fuller, Stills, Cobb. Who's going to step up? Um, so, yeah, you definitely want to kind of stack the box, force the game into Deshaun Watson's hand um, because he doesn't have a safety blanket anymore. It's just not there. And, and I'm speaking of, of Hopkins, you know, obviously. And um, so you want to force Deshaun Watson. How good is he? Did he does he earn his contract? You know, it's it's the first live game. Uh, let's let's get after Watson. Let's kind of rattle him, shore up the run defense, and then force the game into Deshaun Watson's hand because I just don't know, especially with Hopkins gone in and, and if Cooks isn't there, there's just not a lot of weapons on the on the exterior of that offense. So and I and I trust the secondary enough to stop those those names that we mentioned. So yeah, let's let's see if Deshaun Watson is prepared for this primetime game without his uh, his number one go to that he's had his entire career. All of a sudden he's gone. So let's 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 test Deshaun Watson early. I definitely agree with that. You have to have pressure on Deshaun Watson, and he's he's everything for that team on offense. You want to make sure he's as uncomfortable as possible. Um, the defensive line of the Chiefs, you know, we put the money's in the the, the money's been putting to that de defensive line. You want to see some type of results, especially in a game like this. You want to see guys really get after them and make them as uncomfortable as possible. But going back to your point, Mitch, about the running game, 
the Chiefs did have a lot of issues um, just stopping the run. We don't know what David Johnson has left, but to have a big game where you can um, limit a guy like that to maybe, I don't know, around 50 or so yards or even less than that would go a long way in changing the whole dynamic of how you look at the Chiefs in terms of um, stopping the run. Uh, the linebacking core is going to have to be big. That's something that we're going to see. Uh, maybe a little Willie Gay Jr. Could he? Could this be a uh, a great starting point for him to, to see how he plays in the run game? And these there's all these different things that are needed to be done. But for me, that's a big goal is stopping the run and yes, putting pressure on Watson. I agree completely completely with what you guys were just saying. Now, the last thing in, in regards to the Chiefs strategy. Andy Reid, obviously a mastermind on offense and the different setups that he has. What do you feel like is the strategy just for being the Texans overall? Talent, I'm going to come to you on this one. What is the coaching strategy and mindset heading into this game? Uh, for me, it would be catch him off guard. And that, that means go to McCole Hardman early and often. Um, you know, when you look at the tape, Tyree Kill, you know what he's going to do. Travis Kelsey obviously had a big game against the Texans last year. McCole Hardman was a big-time special teams contributor against the Texans, but he hadn't really been a guy in the receiving core in the receiving room. He hadn't been a guy yet. So if you're the Texans, without preseason, all you can really go on is what have they done in the past and, and what may they do. So you have to you have to account for Hill. You have to account for Kelsey. You have to account for Watkins. Uh, and obviously, the, with all the publicity and, and the first-round status of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, they're going to uh, try to be prepared for that too. So if I'm Andy Reid, who's the X factor? It's McCole Hardman. And with the banged-up secondary that the Texans are sporting, Man, go to him. Feed him the ball. Get him in open space on screens. Uh, you know, get double moves and, and and get him to blow the top off with his speed. Uh, and and that's my go-to plan if I'm Andy Reid is is just get it to McCole Hardman and let him do his thing. Yeah, so um, I'm gonna kind of go with the same thing, but flip it a little bit. Um, I want the Chiefs to be super aggressive. I don't want the Texans to catch the Chiefs with the you know with their pants around their ankles because you know. They're going to celebrate the Super Bowl win that night. They're going to raise the banner. And I don't think the Chiefs really have a Super Bowl hangover because, you know, they didn't really get a chance to have them have a, you know, a celebration this offseason because of COVID. Uh, and I don't think Andy or Eden Patrick Mahomes would allow them to do that. But, um, you know, I need them to come out aggressive. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Andy Reid called some, you know, some pretty, some pretty big plays. We're saying, you know, some plays, some pass plays where, you know, Mahomes throws the ball is 20 or 30 yard. 20 or 30 yards down the field just because he doesn't want the team to you know, be kind of be content with, with where they're at. Um, so I want the Chiefs to be super aggressive. I kind of hope they give Clyde the ball a lot. I want to see him make some plays. I talked about him earlier. I think he can make a really big difference in this game against the, against the uh, Texans linebacker, against the Texans linebackers, rather it's through the running game or the passing game. So that's all I want to see from the Chiefs uh, from the, from the strategy. Uh, I definitely agree. It's just about making sure you're able to maintain. Because let's be honest, we know the Texans are going to come out doing whatever they can to um, to just try to to ruin the night for the Chiefs. You're going to see a lot of different offensive um, play sets that they probably didn't see in the games last year because of the new personnel. You just want to maintain and, and make sure that you can, in my opinion, the defense of the Chiefs need to be the biggest focus in regards to strategy and uh, just continuing to – to, to just keep Deshaun Watson off balance, 
You don't want them to get into any type of groove because once that starts to happen, you run into the same issues as last year, and you, you're not always going to get those uh, miracle comebacks. So I just feel like this Chiefs team has to know, like, you have to jump on opponents. you got to show how dominant you are early. You can't just turn it on later in games. So that, I think, needs to be the uh, mindset moving forward. All right, guys, so now we have to – we're at the end right here. What do you feel like is the biggest takeaway from the last meeting? And obviously we're talking about the divisional playoff game. Mitch, quickly, what do you have? I'm sorry, you kind of broke up. What was that? Oh, what was the biggest takeaway from last year's game, the divisional playoff game? Um, is that the Chiefs are never out of it. Um, I know the Texans have talent on, you know, all over the field, but I think as long as, you know, the Chiefs stay composed, they're always going to be in this game. I think they're always going to be able to compete with the Texans. Uh, Mahomes is a great player. Even if he's down 24, there's always going to be a chance. So even if the Chiefs have a pretty rusty start and say they get down by double, double digits early on, it's not count them out yet. They still have plenty of time. As long as there's time on the clock, the Chiefs will still have a chance to win it. Yeah, 100% agree. I, I, I think that's, that's spot on. Uh, with Patrick Mahomes, there's just never a chance that the Chiefs are – you know, there's never a, a, a guaranteed loss for the Chiefs, no matter how, how down you are. So I think, um, yeah, just looking at the last, last game they played, yeah, it's just no matter what is going on in the field, Patrick Mahomes and the offense can, can – uh, can make up for it. No, I definitely agree with that. We saw, like I said, an amazing game, an amazing comeback that they're forever going to talk about in regards to the Chiefs history and leading to a Super Bowl along the way. But uh, just having that focus and making sure not to give up. And that, I think that was the biggest takeaway, and we could all agree on that, from the divisional playoff win, carrying that over into the new season. Okay, guys, time to have your player of the game predictions. Well, obviously, we're going into our crystal ball here. Who will be the player of the game? You can only choose one. It can be an offensive player or defensive player. Mitch, who do you have? Um, I think the easy answer would be Patrick Mahomes. But since I've been talking so highly of him all offseason, I'm going to go with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Um, I've been talking about how I think they should get Clyde the ball early and often in this game. So I'm going to go with him. I think he's going to have over 150 yards from scrimmage, a couple touchdowns hopefully, and just really shocked the world. And uh, you know, this will be the first game of his offensive rookie of the year campaign. Yeah, I'm uh, not surprised by that at all. Mitch has been uh, – yeah, he, he loves he loves some CEH, and, and uh, I, I would love to see that out of CEH. Um, but for me, the guy I mentioned earlier, I'm going to go McCole Hardman. I, I would love to see McCole Hardman have a breakout season, and I would love for his breakout season to start against the Texans. And, I, you know, eventually Demarcus Robinson is going to be gone and Sammy Watkins is going to be gone. And I think this is going to be an offense that's really driven by uh, Tyreek Hill and McCole Hardman. So I really want to see McCole Hardman um, – break the century mark i want to see him get you know maybe even a buck 15 receiving yards get um a big play you know where he breaks maybe like a 70 60 yard catch um and get in the end zone a few times so i really want to see mccall Hardman break through and i think he's gonna be the player of the game okay i could definitely see that i'm actually gonna go ahead and no i'm gonna put out a defensive player i'm gonna go with with chris jones i think he has a big game i feel like he's gonna really get to watson and um and then, you know, establish uh, the defensive line and, and re you know, in regards to how um, strong they are. He finally got paid. I just feel like there's going to be a little more incentive there to go after Watson, especially nationally televised game. It's all, it's all in the uh, stars right there for me. So I feel like he's going to have a huge game and, uh, and really lead the Chiefs to victory. Okay, guys, here's the part. We're getting to the, this is the, the final part right here. 
What are your score predictions? I'm assuming you guys all have the Chiefs winning here. Yes. Yes. <laughs> all right. Let's get the final scores. Mitch, who do you? What's the score? Um, I think this is going to be a ball game throughout the most throughout you know the majority of the game. But I think in the fourth quarter, the Chiefs definitely pull away, maybe get a late touchdown or two. Um, so I'm going to let the Chiefs win, 34 to 20. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with you. I, I do think that it's going to be uh, – I think the Texans are going to struggle. I think they're going to kind of look like chickens with their head cut offs, um, head cuts. Did I say that correctly? It doesn't matter. It sounded good. Um, but anyway, yeah, with the new coordinators, it's just I think no preseason. This is the first live action. I think they're just going to struggle a lot. And with the Chiefs retaining almost everybody, including the coaching staff, I think they're just going to kind of be in control. Um, but the Texans will put up a few points. I think it's going to be 31 to 20. Okay, I think we're all along the same line right there. I feel like the Texans are going to jump out and score some points. And um, the defense for the Chiefs are actually going to start waking up a little bit towards the second quarter. But um, I, I do give the, the Texans – I'm going to spot them some, some points. But I feel like Mahomes and company will be too much. So I got 35 to uh, 21 Chiefs. So we're, we're kind of all in the same uh, area with the score there. I think, well, that, I think that's a good omen. <laughs> that's never a bad thing it's definitely never a bad thing and uh just a reminder to everybody go make sure you check out the chiefs wire website we're going to be um it's going to be actually all of our predictions as well as everyone else that contributes to the site so uh you can you know follow with us and see our record at the end of the year do you guys remember your records from last year uh, mitch do you remember yours oh i think i missed out on two games so i would have been 17 and two wow 17 and 2, okay. Talent. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, no. I would have been 16 and 3 because I thought we would have beat the Texans. I mean, we would have beat the uh, Titans the first time. Ah. And, so you know, that, that's impressive. I, I don't remember mine. I think that probably tells you how well I did. <laughs> you know, I, I don't remember mine. I, I know I was in double I was in double digits. I know that much, but now I'm just shy to say mine since Mitch, you know, had like probably one of the greatest years of all time in pick in pick. So I'm actually going to just start calling you and ask who to pick. So that was, right, that's I'm, pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to wait until he writes his, and I'll just mimic mine and change it by a couple points. The only game <laughs> I thought we were going to lose was the one against the Packers when Matt Moore started. So, I mean, I mean, I, I just had it down, I guess. <laughs> I, just, I just know my stuff. <laughs> hey, he, he knows somebody or he knows something we don't. That's all I can say right there. <laughs> but it, it's fair. Once again, guys. Thursday night, if you're listening, um, the, the, the time this is published, that's tonight. You got the Chiefs. We got the Texans. It's prime time. It's on NBC, nationally, wherever you are. Guys, looking forward to a great game. Hopefully we're talking about a Chiefs win this time next week. Yeah, go Chiefs, baby. What's going on, Chiefs Kingdom? Welcome to the Chiefs Wire podcast. Charles Goldman here, managing editor of the Chiefs Wire. Today, I have a special guest with me. We have Brett Esquina here, uh, the co-owner of Breakthrough Sports and Performance and Personal Training in Columbia, Missouri. Now, why, why am I talking to Brett here today? Why is he joining us today? He's here to talk about the surprise of the 2020 NFL season, who made the Chiefs 53-man wa- roster, 
And that would be Tershawn Turk Wharton. Welcome to our show, Brett. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Charles. Thanks for having me on. How are you doing today? You know, not bad. I'm happy to have you here. You you kind of really put me on to Tershawn here, and I know I've been kind of like leading the charge on him making the 53-man roster for, for a while now. But first, before we get into that, tell me a bit about Breakthrough Sports, what you guys do, what you're all about, and then kind of secondly, how did you first link up with Tershawn, and how long have you been training? Yeah, uh, great question. Um, so Breakthrough Sports Performance, we're, as you mentioned before, based out of here in Columbia, Missouri. Um, we were started in 2014. My childhood best friend uh, growing up, Kyle Yeagley, um, is the, actually the, uh, the person who founded uh, Breakthrough Sports Performance. And um, 20, the end of 2015 is when I moved down to help him kind of run it and kind of grow it from there. Um, and so we are a predominantly sports performance gym. Um, there's some around in Kansas City that are similar, um, but the, I'd say 95 to 99% of the clients that we work with are athletes. Um, you know, a lot of middle school and a lot of high school kids, but we have, you know, we've, we've got a, a ton of college athletes. Um, we've worked with a couple guys that have made practice squads before. Um, you know, we work with some overseas basketball guys. So it's ranging really from little league sports all the way to professional sports. Um, and what was your second question? Sorry about that. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, Tershawn, I mean, how did you guys link up, um, and, and how long have you been training? Yeah, absolutely. So it's kind of funny. Um, I got a random text from uh, – I'll, I'll refer to him as Turk just because that's how I know him as. Um, but I, I got a random text from Turk one day. You know, he – this was in, I think – May or June of 2018. I tried to go back and look through it, but it was on my old phone, so I don't have the original one. Um, but yeah, it was, it was in 2018. He reached out to us. He heard about us through a teammate or a friend of his, and he just reached out. He said, you know, hi, Mr. Mr. Brett. My name's Turk. Um, I got your number, and, uh, you know, I'm a player at Missouri S&T, and I'm, I'm interested in training with you. Um, I didn't really know, because when he reached out to us was after his, sophomore season and he was I believe second in division two in sacks that year so we didn't really know about him he didn't really say you know hey I'm I'm a, I'm, I'm a stud here at Missouri S&T he was pretty humble about it I didn't really learn about that until doing my own research on him yeah now I I, I want to take Chiefs fans kind of through how you and I linked up a little bit you know over to Sean here and I think it was back when I ran my my undrafted uh, free agent spotlight on Turk, and I mean the first thing that pops out, like you said, there is Missouri S and T. He had, I, I believe, it's fifty eight tackles for loss, thirty five and a half sacks, eleven forced fumbles over the course of, of four seasons. I mean, the numbers are just uh, your jaw kind of drops a bit. You're like, whoa. Um, but anyhow, the, the Chiefs website had him listed at, I think it was six foot four and 255 pounds. So I had that in my article. And, and you had commented on the article, like, hold up, that, that's not right. So you sent over the, the correct height and weight and some videos of Turk. And I was like, whoa, this is, this is kind of a bit more impressive than I thought. Like, this is a different player than I thought. And, you know, there's still a lot of people out there that think he's a, a pure edge guy because of his his stats over there on the Chiefs website, 
But why don't you set the record straight a little bit and inform people exactly what the Chiefs are getting uh, in Turk from a physical standpoint? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, it's the, the stats and the, the measurables that the Chiefs in, and I think the Chiefs pulled that directly from Missouri S&T's website. So I, I think that's where the original 64255 came from. Um, now, I think most people on rosters are going to give their athletes an inch or two. I just think that's pretty common. Um, the uh, Turk is, is probably six two to six three. Um, now, being I'm I'm only I'm just a share uh, share under five foot ten. So uh, to me, he's tall, but he's definitely not six four. Um, but yeah, he, and, and when he came to us in 2018, he did weigh about 255 pounds. Um, so when we got him, he was. I mean, 30 or 35 pounds lighter than what he is currently. Um, and, you know, Turk, Turk is, is a very genetically gifted individual. Um, some people struggle to gain weight. Some people can put it on easily. And, and it, with him, it seems like any, any pound that he put on, the majority of that pound is muscle. Um, he, he's just very genetically gifted. So, yeah, he came to us about 255 pounds. And then currently today, um, like I said, between 6'2 and 6'3", and right at, I think last I talked to him, he was hovering about 285 pounds. Um, it was kind of funny because when he was, uh, when he was in on all virtual camp, he was still working out with us and just having his, his team meetings and everything. And the coach would constantly ask him, I don't know which coach it was, but would ask him what he was weighing. And he got up to about 292 or 293. And the coach said, whoa, 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 let's, let's tone that back a bit. Um, but this was even before anybody had ever met him. So a 295 on Turk is a lot different than a 295 on a regular person. Um, just with, with how physically, uh, gifted he is and, and putting on muscle instead of, you know, unwanted weight. So you hear a lot of guys put on weight in the off season and you never know if it's going to be good weight or bad weight. But with him, 95% of the time it's going to be good weight. Great, great. And you know, when you told me about the types of, of testing numbers that he put up, the drills that he would have done at the combine were he to be invited, invited um, I kind of doubted you a bit. I'm like, ah, that's that's really impressive. I don't know. I don't know about that. But then I started seeing and hearing some things about him out of training camp when he first got in the building. And the first thing you pointed out they were doing like a, a, a shuttle run type drill and the chiefs had like a video mashup of it up on their, on their social media. And Turk was, was right out in front of all the starting defensive linemen in the drill. He was like lapping. And I actually, when I saw that, I went and I reached out to some people in the building about it. And that was exactly the case. And, and Brett Veach even kind of like confirmed it when he spoke to the media the other day. He was like, I mean, from the day he got in here, it, his athleticism was on full display. So I was just wondering, I mean, have you worked with anyone quite like him before? And who would you kind of compare him to maybe NFL comparisons or, or whatnot? Um, yeah, no, great question. So we work with a lot of gifted athletes. Um, now, the majority is so personally, we've tested Tershawn. We, we did kind of a, a mini combine. For him, um, I think this was in either March or April before the draft. Um, so he could send it to his representation, and his representation could send it throughout the league. Um, I want to say I, 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 I posted the numbers, but I, I'm pretty sure it was a um, a 35 inch vertical, um, and that's a, a flat footed vertical. It, 
you know, 20, 32 reps on the bench press. Um, if, if you look at his, his stature, his height, his weight, um, now we don't have a laser 40-yard dash timer, um, but he went and worked out for um, a couple months at a place in Memphis. Um, I believe it was Memphis, but, um, and he worked out and they were doing testing there and, and he was telling us that he was running in the four sevens, um, on the laser timer. Um, so I, and, and he chose not one to, to really make up any, any numbers about himself. Um, but it, it's funny because as explosive as he is now, he was a little bit more explosive when he was 255 pounds. Yeah. Uh, he had a 30, a 38 inch vertical and an over 40 inch vertical if you give him a couple steps to get some momentum. So the, the guy is just a, is a, is an athletic freak. Now, personally, we haven't ever worked with anybody that explosive at that size. And that's why we've been, I mean, we've told people for years, you know, this kid's special. Um, the, the explosiveness, the size, um, a little back, a background on us being in Columbia, we've been fortunate enough over the past five or six years to work with several um, either current Mizzou football players or um, helping them p- prepare for pro days or combines. Um, and uh, none of even the athletes that we work with um, at that level, the D1 level, getting ready to enter the combine or into craft, um, were really remotely close to the athlete that, that Sean is in his size. So it's, and that's why, I, you know, I've kind of been on the bandwagon, and I, I, I feel like I helped open your eyes, like you mentioned, to where, He's, he's just a special kind of athlete um, that doesn't come around very often. So that's why I was fairly confident. I was 90, 99% sure he was going to make practice squad. But with the news about Pinnell coming out, I was, it was, it was a, almost a no-brainer in my mind that he was going to make the 50% roster. Um, just because as a, as a coach, once you see that type of athleticism, you, you don't let it go. You don't take the chance of anybody else picking it up. Um, but, but as a so you asked about a comparison. I mean, it's really – I'm not saying he's the, the type of player that this man is yet, but if you look at Aaron Donald's stats, his, his size, his speed, his bench press, his, his vertical, um, almost identical to Tershawn's um, from a combine perspective. Now, on the field, we'll see if that translates, but athleticism, he's just about equal to Aaron Donald, if not better in some categories. See, and, and- – you know, I I would would compare it to Aaron, Aaron Donald a bit too, just looking at everything on paper. But then, you know, I, I got someone in the Chiefs building saying, "Hey, this guy looks kind of like John Randall, who's Hall of Famer." And I'm like, "Whoa, that's 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 a little bit much." But I mean, if that's what they're thinking, I, I mean, they got to be really impressed with this kid. Yeah, and if you look at John Randall's size, he's about six one. 285, I think, is what he was at, and that's the exact same size and weight that they list Aaron Donald at, which is about the exact same size that they're going to list Sean at. So physically, like stature-wise, yeah, John Randall and and Aaron Donald is a very fair comparison. Now, another thing that was recently said about Turk, Steve Spagnuolo the other day during his press conference, he comes out and says, for a guy that has not been in the NFL very long, he sure operates like a true pro. I said that of Tershawn and also of, of Mike Dana. Um, but is that something you'd expect to hear about him after working with him the past couple of years? Oh, absolutely. Um, Tershawn is – so with our higher-level guys, we most days do two workouts a day. Very rarely is Tershawn ever going to miss a workout. Um, 
And if he does, it's something because something came up. Um, yeah, he's, he's a pro in every sense of the word. I mean, you don't really – it's hard to go throughout college because I'm sure you've heard when he graduated high school, he was only about 195 pounds. Um, now, his first year at school, I think he put on 30 or 40 pounds. But, um, yeah, you, you don't really gain that much size and athleticism unless you go about things, you know, in a very diligent – uh, a diligent manner, but yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all with Rashawn. And 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 I can personally speak from because, like I said, we train a lot of younger kids too. Even in like you know fifth, sixth, seventh graders, anytime that they were in there, they all knew turf. So Tershawn would make it a point to where he would walk over to them and you know ask them how their season's going. You know, and I mean, I, I think you even probably saw in, a, in one of the video clips that I posted, he pulled on a kid on the sled. Um, so I mean, he was. Uh, and not just on the field and his work ethic, but dealing with people. I'm I'm so excited for the the Chiefs Kingdom to get to know him because he is a he's a special kid in in a lot of the, a lot of sense of the the word. Absolutely, and you know I have one more thing to mention because there are some people out there in Chiefs Kingdom that are still doubting Turk. All right, they're saying that as soon as Pennell gets back from his suspension, that Turk's going to be cut, go back to the practice squad, whatever. I, I just want to know, what would you have to say to those doubters that don't think he has the ability to stick around with this team? Um, you know, I, kind of the same thing that I've said all along and, and kind of what got you on the train is, you know, he's, he, as, as a, um, a man of his size, you don't find the tools that he has very often. Um, he, and honestly, I think, the more people that doubt him, the more it gives fuel to his fire. So, um, not that he needs any more motivation, but I mean, I, I just say to those people, you know, as Chiefs fans, I think you, you've got to love the story and you've got to you've got to cheer for the kid and root for him because he's a local kid. He's from St. Louis. He's lived in Columbia the past few years and he, he made the roster. Um, but it's, it, I'd say it's understandable that for them to doubt them, um, being an undrafted guy, but. Um, I don't know. As a diehard Chiefs fan, I've got total trust in Brett Beach. Um, I mean, he's, he's done a pretty good job over the past few years, in my opinion, at least. And for him to bring Tershawn in, and I don't know if you've seen, I, we talked about it on Twitter, the kind of grin that Brett Beach had on his face when he was getting asked specifically about Turk. Um, I think that says a lot, too. And he almost even said, said with his grin, you know, you guys just don't even know what kind of player this kid is yet. Um, that it's kind of funny that they were asking that question of him. Um, but I, I feel like those, a lot of those eyes will be opened up tomorrow because um, I, I feel like you will get a lot of playing time tomorrow, a lot more than people expect, especially with only four defense tackles. Absolutely. I think you're, you're right on the right track there, especially about tomorrow's game. I have this sneaking suspicion that we're going to see a lot of Turk Wharton especially uh, in some of those uh, passing situations. Line him up right next to Chris Jones with the, the Shark and possibly Tano passing you on the outside there. I, I think it's just going to be uh, really tough for, for some offenses uh, to stop. Oh, I couldn't, couldn't agree more. Uh, that NASCAR package looks, uh, looks good, and it's going to be a whole lot faster when Turk's out there. I can promise Chiefs fans that. All right. Well, thank you so much for, for coming on, Brett. We appreciate your insight. And uh, we look forward to maybe having you on again here later in the season when uh, Turk is tearing things up. Absolutely, Charles. Anytime, man. I really appreciate you having me on. And 
getting to talk about uh, turf a little bit. And like I said a couple times, I'm, I'm really excited for the Keith Kingdom to get to know him. My next guest has, in my opinion, one of the greatest minds when it comes to football. He's a Texans Wire managing editor, Mr. Mark Lane. Mark, how's it going, man? It's been a while. Ed, good to be on with you. It's, uh, you know, been a long time, it feels like, since we were at the Combine in Indianapolis. And uh, it's I, I just can't believe how much the world has changed since then and then here's what's funny about it of everything that's gone on is the year's almost over <laughs> where did it go I, I guess it went with uh, all the pandemic and murder hornets and uh, you know everything that's going on so anyway it's good to be on with you okay mark are the texans in a better position offensively without deandre hopkins you know i don't know I think that um, what they've done is gone ahead and decided to try to put as many resources around Deshaun Watson to allow him to, to decipher where the ball should go. So you've got this core of shifty, speedy receivers in Kenny Stills, Will Fuller, uh, Randall Cobb, and Brandon Cooks that can certainly torture defenses in terms of their speed. I mean, you know, Tyron Matthew referred to them as they could wreck a football game. And that's what they can do. So, I mean, you you have those guys that he can try to figure out where the ball goes and, and read defenses. Then you have running backs such as David Johnson and Duke Johnson that have similar skill sets. So, when they're both in the game or one subbing out the other you don't it, it's still the same game plan it's not like oh well get ready for the dump off screen you know to this particular back or get ready for them to run it down your throat uh then you have the tight ends with jordan akins who provides an athletic option down the seams then darren fells who scored a touchdown in the divisional playoff game on uh, when they ran Big Mac Smash. Uh, that's one of Watson's favorite plays, but uh, he provides a reliable red zone threat. And then the offensive line. I think this is the biggest component no one's talking about. And, and it gets missed because, you know, if you're someone that has to cover all 32 teams, for example, and... You know, it, it, you, you got to go with, you know, uh, play. you, you got to go with plays that will get you yards, so to speak. So what will get you, uh, you know, long enough copy to meet deadline or sound bites that, you know, you can move on and talk about uh, the, the New England Patriots or the Green Bay Packers? Well, you just pick on Bill O'Brien. Oh, Bill O'Brien, he traded DeAndre Hopkins. I can't believe it. How dumb. And now they have David Johnson. Doesn't, doesn't he know that running backs don't matter in the NFL? So here, that's what I'm saying. That type of analysis gets in the way of consequential analysis like this. The Houston Texans are returning the same five offensive linemen as starters 
for the first time since 2011. That's continuity. That's the line. That's the one element that everybody was talking about where they said, well, if Deshaun Watson only had a line, why, you know, the Texans would really be a, a contender for, well, there it is. There's the, there's the offensive line. And Laramie Tunsil got his first Pro Bowl last year of his career coming over to Houston. You have Titus Howard, who, let's just be honest, he's gone ahead and won the, um, he's gone ahead and won uh, the, the battle between him and Andre Dillard. He's, he's obviously the, the best first-round draft pick of, of that bunch. Um, and then you have Nick Martin, who's in the center, reliable guy, Max Sharping, who's developing in year two. He's another reliable guy, provides flexibility along with Zach Fulton. So that's what I'm saying is when you look at the offense, all what has happened is they're taking a gamble of let's give Watson a variety of targets. Maybe, you know, it's like this. They, 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 this is what it's really like, Ed. It's like on Christmas morning. Do you do you want Santa Claus to bring you that expensive $300 gift that you've been pining for all December long or would you rather have about 30 gifts under the tree that cost 10 bucks each? That that's kind of uh, which one's going to produce the most joy. That that's kind of what the Texans have done and uh, you know it's just oh it's up to Deshaun Watson to open up those gifts. How much pressure is on Bill O'Brien this season? Mm, I mean with the fans every year um, with the organization I think that they've invested in the O'Brien way they made him general manager they're they, they're just letting him have control of the personnel. You got Jack Easterby, the executive vice president of football operations in there. And uh, they're just letting O'Brien have his way. And I think that this, is, this will be the year. This is kind of like a honeymoon year. The first year was proving that, you know, his, he kind of knew what he was doing. And technically, they did improve compared to previous years because they won a playoff game and uh, they fixed the offensive line and so forth. Now, if they, if they, if all they do is win a playoff game and they get bounced out in the divisional, you know, you're still kind of where you are and uh, maybe you get a pass because of the pandemic, but. If Houston regresses, if they don't make the playoffs, if they lose in the first round, then it's really going to start to look like the O'Brien way doesn't work, and then the pressure is on. I don't think I don't think O'Brien is really under any pressure within the organization this year. Do you believe Deshaun Watson considers Patrick Mahomes a rival? Man, I don't know anymore with the NFL. Looks like the only rivalry in pro football these days is NFL versus NFLPA. You know, it just it does. Uh, you know, in the old days, that's how Manning Brady, for example. I mean, that seemed like one of you know a rivalry. But I mean, these guys hang out so much outside of football and 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 you know talk to each other on social media. 
that the, there's none of that palpable antipathy for the, the other the other guy that there used to be and so it, it really doesn't seem like a rivalry at all it it just seems like to be honest with you um like you got two great uh musicians on stage together that's what it feels like when Watson and Mahomes take each other on. It doesn't really feel so much like a rivalry as more like a one big collab. And uh, with the line set at 53 and a half, according to Bet MGM, you know, some are hoping that, that Watson and Mahomes go over on their collab. Do you believe J.J. Watt is still an elite pass rusher? Yes. No, really, I do. I think that he is still an elite pass rusher because no one was because look, he only played in eight games, right? But in those eight games, what he was able to do was pretty remarkable. Albeit he didn't exactly have his, the customary double-digit sack numbers that he normally would in a situation like that. But when you look at quarterback hits, this kind of tells the story to me. When you look at his quarterback hits and what he was able to do, you know, even with the torn pectoral, which occurred in Week Eight against the Oakland Raiders, he was still he still tallied twenty quarterback hits through eight games now there's no one on on the list that even has double digit quarterback hits with fewer than 10 games played i mean to find that you you kind of got to go down to jonathan bullard with or, or stephen to it with um with, with the Steelers. I mean, those are the guys you start talking about when you say, well, what kind of production did they have just playing single-digit games? I mean, that, and they only had seven, each of those guys. But here's J.J. Watt, and he's only playing in eight games, and he posts 20 quarterback hits. I mean, that's the same as Chris Jones had last year in 13 games for the Chiefs. So I still think he's elite, and um, with the pectoral injury, it's not like uh, anything structural, you know, in terms of, you know, like uh, the tibial plateau fracture, herniated disc. It's not really anything that takes you out of the action going forward in your career. It's just something that ends that season. I mean, Whitney Merciless, for example. He tore his pectoral muscle week five of 2017. Uh, as a matter of fact, it was in the same game on a Sunday night against the Kansas City Chiefs that Watt tore, uh, broke his tibial fl uh, plateau in his left knee. Um, but anyway, in that game, Marcellus goes out. He comes back. He's played 16 games uh, the past two seasons. So a, a pectoral injury like that doesn't really... Uh, cripple guys going forward like some other injuries so I still consider him to be an elite pass rusher now let me say this if he plays double digit 
season, uh, you know, games this season, and you know he's only got about six sacks or something. Then we got to start talking about whether or not he is still elite. But right now, benefit of the doubt, looking back at what he did in eight games when he tallied twenty-one quarterback hits, you know, I I, I got to still consider him elite. What does the Texans defense need to do to slow down Patrick Mahomes and Chiefs offense? Get after him. Get after him. Look at Charles O'Menohue last season. He had that sack fumble that – oh, well, didn't that look like a former uh, Big 12 football, by the way? You know, Texas's O'Menohue getting after Texas Tech's Mahomes. But anyway, um, that's what you have to do is you have to pressure Mahomes – and not give up the chunk plays. Don't give up the chunk plays. Force the Chiefs to drive the length of the football field to do it honestly and and hope that they make a mistake or, or settle for three. That's really what the Texans have to do, and I think that they can do it. Of course, it's going to take a little bit of help from the offense because in the Week 6 matchup, on October the 13th, 2019, they had over 40 minutes of time of possession, Houston did, and that was one of the components that sped up the game, that tilted, not really tilted the field, but it just put a lot of pressure on Kansas City's reality when it came to the tempo of the game. And so they had to speed things up, uh, play with a little more anxiety, and that was what helped Houston win. I mean, look at it. Houston goes into Arrowhead Stadium, scores 31 points both times. What's the difference? The difference is time of possession, being able to uh, to keep the to get after Mahomes. I mean, it's what worked in Week Six can still work in Week in Week One. Regardless of what happened in the AFC champ, I mean divisional playoffs, yes, that's true. That in the the you know the, the Spagnolo's defense, uh, you know they were still gelling or whatever. I get it, that's true. But in terms of being able to shut down Mahomes in the offense, they have already proven how they can do that. And now it's just a matter of execution. Mark, as always, thank you for your time. Take care and enjoy the game. All right, Ed. I really appreciate you having me on, and I hope you're doing well and stay safe. And let's see what happens. Football's back, baby! For everyone at Chiefs Wire, we'd like to thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Make sure to follow us on social media at Chiefs Wire for more information. I'm Ed Easton Jr. Check us out next time.